1: Hello and welcome to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. This is Adriana Linares. Today I'm coming to you from Orlando, Florida. I'm a legal technology trainer and consultant. I like to think that I move about the country saving lawyers and legal professionals from downtime. Today, I'm very excited to have Ed Walters from Fast Case on the show. He's going to be talking to us about research, legal research. Of course, if you're a new solo, whether you're fresh out of law school or just decided to make a mass exodus from a midsize or a large firm and going out on your own, having the right access to legal research is going to be very important. So he's going to help us figure out how to get that done. Before we do that, though, I I want to make sure to thank our sponsor, Solo Practice University. If you're looking for some augmented information and education in a very uh, professional and informative way, make sure to check out Solo Practice University. On our last episode, we had Lee Rosen on. He talked to us about referral networks and, and creating a network of attorneys and or others to help us grow our our practice. And that was a great discussion. And I have a feeling this one's going to be just as exciting and lively with Ed on the show. Ed, thanks so much for coming on.
2: Hey, it's my pleasure, Adriana.
1: It's so nice to talk to you. You're absolutely one of my favorite people in legal. So I'm so happy that you took some time out of what I know is a very busy schedule to talk to us. I wanted to start by just asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, how you came about um, into legal, and uh, make sure you also throw in a little part about that robot class you're teaching, because that's pretty cool. And then I'm going to ask you to tell us about how Fastcase got started.
2: Yeah, I'm a Leo. I like strong coffee, <laughs> strong whiskey, long moonlit walks on the beach. Um, I, came to, uh, I came to legal tech quite naturally. So uh, my background is I was a lawyer in a big firm in Washington, D.C., and, uh, I, I'm not the kind of person who says, oh, you know, I, the practice of law was never for me or big firms, you know, weren't my bag. I loved it. I had a great practice. I was trying to figure out in the early days of the internet, how, uh, the rest of the world was going to regulate, uh, electronic commerce and privacy and things like that. Um, and it was, it was like a relatively exotic practice. I was, Living half the year in Washington and half the year in Brussels, mm. and uh, you know, trying to figure things out that were very, uh, well, so far unfigured out. They were very wide open at the time. It was nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight when I was in practice, and um, it was fantastic. It was wonderful. It was great. Um, and then tragedy struck. Oh no! Um, one day, one of our one of our biggest clients, um, a Fortune five client of our law firm. Um, I won't say who it is, but let's say uh, it was a software company that specialized in making PC operating systems. Interesting. Um, And they called uh, one day and said, Ed, we have a question. Um, It has a kind of straightforward case law answer. But because the law is so new, you can't find the answer in the books. It probably won't be in the digest yet. uh, So you'll have to do online legal research. Hmm. But don't use Westlaw or LexisNexis. And I said, well, okay, guys, you know, what's your hang-up with Westlaw and Lexis?" And they said, because those are the tools we used at my firm. Um, we had both. And they said, well, look, you know, we have 300 outside counsel, uh, and they all passed through their subscription research costs to us. And last year we paid an ungodly amount for their subscription research costs. Um, you hear this a lot more today, but it was very novel in 1998 uh, when they said, um, you know, we don't pay for your carpeting or your electricity or the books on your shelf. We're not going to pay to put the books on your computer either. That's your overhead. Wow. Um, so uh, I don't care how you do it, but don't use those two. Wow. So it was 1998, 1999. And, uh, you know, I was optimist. You were scratching your head. Optimist. Yes. Uh, and I said, well, you know, I'll just go find the big alternative to th- those services that must exist somewhere. And I'll use that. So for four hours, I looked for the big alternative that I was sure was out there, and I couldn't find one. So at one o'clock in the morning, um, I am punching the printer in my office suite when my next door neighbor at the firm comes in and says, Ed, have you lost your mind? And I said, no, I just, you know, I was looking for the big alternative. I couldn't find one. So I broke down and I used Nexus. And, you know, it took me 45 minutes to do something I should have taken five minutes. Uh, We just paid like, you know, $1,500 for something that should have been free or, you know, cost 50 bucks or something. Um, And all I was searching was judicial opinions, right? This wasn't like a treatise that uh, those guys had written. It was a judicial opinion that we had sort of prepaid with taxpayer dollars. We'd paid judges and law clerks to get the law right to write it down for us. Uh, We had given it away for free to then foreign-owned publishing conglomerates who sold it back to us for, you know, hundreds of dollars an hour or more than $100 per search at the time. You know, so I, I, in my kind of 1 a.m. tirade, I said, you know, I've got half a mind to start the thing I was looking for all night. My next door neighbor at the firm said, that's actually a pretty good idea. Was that Phil? Let's go take a look at it. That was Phil Rosenthal, my co-founder. And it turns out my, my next door neighbor, was you know also a Ph.D. in physics and in addition to graduating top of his class at Harvard Law School. Um, parenthetically, 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, you would frequently find Phil in the office, like one of the hardest-working guys in show business. I can assure you there were not many nights at 1 o'clock in the morning that I was lingering around the halls of uh, Covington and Burling, our very comfortable law firm. Um, but there was but in any fast event, uh, Phil
1: working his butt off with that big, giant brain of his. Again,
2: truly, like one <laughs> of the great minds of, of our time. Yeah. Um, he yeah. can't say this about himself, and never would. But I can say it about him. The guy's like a certified genius, you know? I know, PhD from Caltech, taught with Stephen Hawking, like an actual rocket scientist. He worked at Jet Propulsion Laboratory, like a genius, and who just happened to be next door to me. And um, you know, I think without Phil's encouragement and brains and everything else, there's no way I, w- I mean, it would have been a one AM rant, and that would have been the end of it. But you know, with a, a genius and a great business partner like Phil the two of us together were able to, uh, you know, start that alternative that we were looking for that night, 15 years ago, uh, just, uh, this past November. So, uh, it's, it's pretty funny. You know, the, the two of us, um, we spent about, uh, five or six months of nights and weekends in our law firm, uh, trying to put together a prototype and trying to, uh, you know, sort of do some, uh, business planning and business modeling. And, uh, It led to some unusual situations. So uh, one afternoon at the firm, Phil comes rushing breathlessly into my office and says, they're throwing away the books. They're throwing away the books. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, Phil, what are you talking about? He says, come on, quickly. So we run to the library. I'm sure he can't be right. They're not throwing away the books. We get to the library of our big law firm, and there is literally an industrial dumpster in the stacks. And they are pulling two handfuls at a time. Reporters off the shelf and into the dumpster. And we said, Stop, what are you doing? And they said, We're throwing these away. You know, no one really uses the books. And we said, "Uh, Before you throw them away, can we have them? And they looked at us and they said, What do two second year associates of the firm want with 3,000 reporter volumes? And we said, uh, we're nothing,
1: nothing at all. And you (laughs) sort of looked away and held your hands behind your back and moved your (laughs) toe left to right Right. slowly in front of you and said nothing. we just thought we shouldn't throw these books out.
2: Shuffling of the feet.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: Yeah. I can assure you, Phil and I are many things. Casual is not among them. Um, (laughs) You know, geeky shuffly. Yes. But so uh, anyway, they said, um, I have no idea why you want these books, but there are 3,000 of them. Uh, If you can have them out of here by Sunday afternoon, then you can have them. Uh, Monday morning, we pull the dumpster out. And so, you know, um, we got some friends together and moved 3,000 books from the Covington Library into storage in Northern Virginia you know, and those would be kind of the, the foundation of fast case.
1: That's on. awesome. You had to call all your your buddies that had trucks and say, "Hey, can you help me move <laughs> right. this weekend?" And <laughs> right. it's three thousand books. It's not a sofa bed.
2: <laughs> awesome. Exactly. I can assure you we had uh, fewer <laughs> friends after that weekend than we did before right. that weekend.
1: That's great. I love that story. And so that was the birth of FastCase, so to say, which has become one of the leading alternative. I mean, do you like being called an alternative research tool or is that kind of insulting because you feel you're just as good as whatever is considered non-alternative?
2: I'm happy to be called an alternative and I want to be the big alternative in the same way that Apple was the alternative in the PC industry for years. You know, I don't think there's anything insulting about that. We're not trying to put anyone out of business. Uh, the mission of FastCase is really simple. We want to democratize the law. We want to make more law available to more people at lower prices or for free where possible. Um, and we want to make legal research smarter. We want to use better tools to help people find answers faster and with more confidence and find stuff they wouldn't find otherwise.
1: Very noble goals.
2: Well, thank you. I mean, it's, uh, I hope it doesn't sound too Pollyanna-ish, but that's really what we're about. And, uh, you know, I'm really happy to say that, you know, even 15 years in, that's, if you had asked us on day one of the enterprise, we would have said, those are the two goals. And to this very day, you can track every single thing we do against those two things. We weren't trying to be like a cheaper version of a traditional legal research service. We weren't trying to be like a poor man's Westlaw. Uh, The idea wasn't to be like a you go of legal research. It was to be a Tesla of legal research. Mm, I you like know, that. Tesla yeah. might, yeah. So it, it might not have like the heated cup holders of your Rolls Royce, but it also goes zero to 103 seconds um, and doesn't use gasoline. So, um, you know, that's, that's the big idea here. We're not trying to do the same thing in the same way. Uh, we're really trying to use smarter technology to make legal research easier and more comfortable dare i say it even
1: fun sometimes fun that's what we're looking for so answer a few questions <laughs> for me then based on on that that premise and which is if i'm a new solo again whether i'm someone that just got out of law school or i get to leave you know the comfort of a big firm that has big massive subscriptions and it almost seems like they don't care what we're charging or paying for research. I know that they do, but you know, leaving the comfort of being able to sort of research your way to death and going out there. If I'm a solo and I'm looking for uh, a new or a different resource, what's the difference or what's going to be my benefit between free research and then paid for research? So let's start like this. Can I start with having something like Google Scholar as as a as a first layer of research? And then from there, where do I go?
2: Well, I like Scholar. I mean, uh, I think you, you probably could get by with Scholar if you really had to. Um, I would say in most cases, you probably don't. Uh, 26 state bar associations now offer FastCase as a free benefit of membership. So something like 800,000 lawyers in the country uh, get free access to FastCase. Yep. And so... Uh, you know, it, out of 1.1 million lawyers in the country, uh, already something like 75% of the lawyers in the country don't have to settle for Scholar. You know, you can use FastCase for free. Good. Um, so, you know, I, I would say that the, for just getting started, there's no reason why you should start with the most expensive legal research software you could possibly find. Uh, want to start with... You know, if, if you're...
1: Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say, so do I want to start with a low-cost research service?
2: Well, I would say the the very first thing is, unless you have a very esoteric practice, you know, if you are doing uh, some boutique securities practice or, uh, you know, air traffic controller law or something where you need uh, treatises or very specialized databases, if most of what you do with research is, you know, cases and statutes and things like that, which for most solos is the bulk of what they do, mm-hmm. um, I'd start with the state bar benefit, you know, for, right. for the vast majority of states, you can get a uh, fast case for free. And, um, you know, there's no reason not to start with that. The fact no. that it's free is uh, kind of a nice benefit. But I, I often worry that people undervalue things that are free, even when they're spectacular.
1: And I often worry that even though state bar associations are constantly or hopefully constantly reminding their members the benefits that they get, that they don't know they have research as one of their benefits. I know that from the fact that I talk to a lot of lawyers and I give a lot of presentations and I go into a lot of law firms and I have to remind them a lot of times, you know, you get a lot of benefit for free just for being a member of insert name of state bar here. And it's Oftentimes they look at me, either one they didn't know or two they simply forgot that that was an option. So I think reminding them, as a new solo, to look to your state bar and figure out what sort of benefits. Because while fast cases most certainly in a lot of states there might be other alternatives if they aren't in your state. So definitely step number one is look toward your state bar association. What about local bars? Do some of the local bars also have benefits like with you know like the state bars would offer?
2: They do. So good. Uh, I totally agree. If you're a member of a bar association, start there. You know, there's all kinds of benefits, uh, fast case among them, but also, uh, you know, Clio. uh, There's, you know, there's all kinds of benefits that state bars offer that if you're not availing yourself of, that is always step one, I think. When you're going out on your own, you know, look to see what someone has already bought for you. I think sometimes people think it's just, you know, Hertz discounts and stuff like that. Right. Um, And although those are, are in there. There's also a lot of really good legal tech bargains in there that the state bar and practice management advisors have negotiated for. So if you're a member of the Illinois, Florida, New York, Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, you know, umpteen bar associations, uh, you already have Fastcase as a part of your benefit. You go to the state bar webpage, you log in, you click Fastcase, and you're in.
1: Great. That's very good advice it's a good place to get started well before we move on to our next segment we're going to take a quick break hear a message from our sponsor we'll be right back
0: ready to create and build your own solo or small firm practice need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business there is only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals solo practice university the only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than 1,000 classes, 58 faculty and mentors. What are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today.
1: Welcome back to New Solo. I'm Adriana Linares, and with me today is Ed from Fastcase. He's one of the nicest guys in the business telling us a little bit about Fastcase and then giving us some good basic research tips. So before the break, we talked, reminded everybody that one of the things you want to make sure and do is look toward your state bar, your local bar, any other organizations that might have some member benefits for you to make sure that you aren't paying for something that you might already be paying for through some sort of uh, dues or memberships. Ed, when it comes to researching what research I want, what are the main things that I'm looking for? What are the basic needs I should have in my legal research toolkit?
2: Well, I think of these things uh, in terms of content and then tools. So from a content perspective, I would really want to see uh, at the very least cases statutes administrative regs uh, and probably law review articles if you're depending on your practice area sometimes there's good treatment of an issue in a law review article that really uh, synthesizes the issue um, so I think I think that's my kind of baseline assumption I think it's nice to have things like court rules and constitutions as well um, but I think that's, that's the, the basic starter set for most solo and small firm practitioners. You want to make sure you at least have uh, your state, but uh, where it's available, getting the full country is also a benefit. Sometimes you'll find like a you know, related or authoritative, if not binding, precedents uh, from similar jurisdictions. I think this is where a lot of solos and small firms lose out. Uh, you know, in a traditional legal research subscription, you might subscribe to your SLICE, Right, you might get the uh, you know uh, Alabama only subscription for Westlaw, and you get Alabama cases and codes, but everything else uh, is a transactional subscription price, and every time you use something else, you pay, and so people are reticent to search outside the plan. Yeah, uh, but sometimes the the real winner is in Mississippi or Tennessee or California, and so I, I think it's really important to have like that full national subscription. Uh, And hopefully not in a way that rings the bell every time you search it, you know, so uh, having a flat rate national subscription, I think is a good thing to have.
1: And then tell me, what should that flat rate cost me that is reasonable? You know, I'm I'm not sure what, what am I paying? Am I paying $50 a month? Am I paying a hundred? Am I paying a thousand dollars a month? What's a good range to stay inside of that isn't going to break the bank, but is going to give me all the resources that I need, um, annotated code, site checker, that sort of stuff. What's a, give me a range.
2: Well, I'm biased about this. You know, we, I can tell you what, what fast case costs. It's $95 a month flat rate. Uh, All-you-can-eat, wall-to-wall, nationwide, cases, codes, statutes, regs, no transactional charges, you know, no uh, turnstiles or anything like that. Um, I think that's a great price for it. I think yeah. that traditionally that, that subscription has run, you know, anywhere from 300 to $500 a month, sometimes more, uh, per seat. So that's for a solo. If, you're, if your firm is bigger, you can pay even more than that.
1: So... What I get asked a lot when I remind attorneys that they've got the, you know, alternative uh, services like FastCase, they always ask me, well, what don't I get? So for $95 a month, what don't I get?
2: I would say the, the, the biggest thing that you would get in a traditional legal research service that you don't get on FastCase um, is treatises. So if you really use Wright and Miller in your practice, you really have to subscribe to West, you know, gotcha. or get the books and put them on your shelf. Uh, if Collier's on bankruptcy is uh, really the central part of your practice, and you need that treatise, you know you won't get that on uh, on a fast case subscription. They won't license it to us. Uh, so you really have to subscribe to LexisNexis. So and, and that's you know, very if, specific, if you're really like you reliable, said earlier, right?
1: Yeah,
2: right. If you if you are uh, if you practice the law of air traffic controllers, you might need to have a special B&A publication or something. Um, but i would say that for most solo practitioners you know your practice area is something like civil litigation you know or you have a uh you know bankruptcy practice or a divorce family law practice uh and you know for the vast majority of solo practitioners uh you are taking a little bit of whatever comes in the door um and so for that you know it really is a, a cases and codes practice yeah, in the past, I would have answered the question by saying, you know, you really want annotated codes. Uh, when you look up a code section, you want to see the cases that cite that code section. And that was a place that Westlaw and Lexis really had an advantage over us. Not so much anymore, because now we have annotated codes for all 50 states. So if you look up a code section in Fast Case and there's cases that cite it, you'll see the annotation at the bottom uh, and it's complete. That's great. Uh, the other thing is a citator. So, uh, you know, the, the big question is, is my case still good law?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and for years, uh, that was an advantage that we really couldn't cross. Um, if, you, if you had to find out whether your case was still good law, you would use Shepard's or Keysight. Uh, and by the way, you might use both because uh, they disagree with each other all the time. Um, but now Fastcase uh, has this feature called Bad Law Bot. And what we've done is we've created the first big data citator. We've gone through all 75 million citations in the FAST case database, and every time a case is cited as reversed or abrogated or um, you know, uh, overturned, we will put a flag into that case, and you'll see negative treatment indicated uh, when you're reading the case. Is it today um, a full stop, more comprehensive than Shepard's solution? No, um, but it does pick up cases that Shepard's doesn't sometimes. Uh, and it's a it's really a great uh first step, so i think and, it's a it's a decreasing advantage for traditional legal research providers
1: no that's great, and we all know that fast case's best kept secret is that Phil actually just sits in the basement going through those seventy five million resources and making sure that any <laughs> bad law bot i mean bad law is marked, and we know that his coffee cup says I'm the bad law bot
2: (laughs) our secret is out
1: (laughs) fast case Phil and his big brain Um, question for you outside of you know what? What has been going on? I'm just curious if you've identified any startups that have interesting or promising technologies in the field that that you're looking toward and going, hey, that's the next Ed and Phil, and it's something everyone should know about. Has anything caught your eye out there?
2: Sure, there's a lot of uh, very promising companies right now, especially startups. I think it's a it's a really fantastic time for uh, starting a new legal tech company. And I think there's a lot of promise in the new companies out there. And, uh, you know, our team at Fastcase has tried to work with these guys as much as possible, in part because we don't believe it's a zero-sum market. We right. really believe that, you know, a high tide kind of floats all boats. So I would say for legal research, uh, the three companies out there that really stand out for me are uh, Judicata, Case Text, and Ravel Law. Um, And those three companies are each taking a uh, slightly different approach to finding more uh, beyond keyword search. So uh, case Texts use crowdsourcing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can annotate passages in there and write about them and contribute to it in a way that I think is really cool. If you have a lot of experts who are, uh, you know, reading judicial opinions, um, you know, I think they can add a lot of value to it, just like uh, Keynote uh, or Headnote editors do um, at West and Lexus, uh, but hopefully better because they're as expert as you could possibly be. And I'm proud to say we've worked with case Text for years. Um, uh, we are very invested in their success. I think they're you know, wonderful, very smart people. Uh, Ravel Law has uh, done some great work with data visualization. I hope building on some uh, things we built with the interactive timeline, um, you know, as early as uh, 2008, and um, I think that if you if you look at uh, their visual approach to law, it's like we really share DNA with those guys. Um, I really think they're onto something there, and I think yeah, it's a pretty so amazing much, tool. It is, and there's there's yeah. so much you can find in data visualization that you can't find in uh, keyword searches, mm-hmm. and so I think that. There's a lot of promise to using data visualization as well. And then finally, uh, um, uh I've seen some early prototypes of it, and the idea is to use really semantic analysis, uh, kind of a deep uh, natural language understanding of what's going on in uh, legal texts, and to find relationships based on meaning. Uh, I think all three approaches, uh, crowdsourcing, data visualization, and semantic analysis, hold a lot of promise. Is uh, one of them going to break out of the pack? I don't know. But I do feel pretty confident that if you, if you fast forward 20 years, legal research will be more visual. It will have more citation analysis and it will move semantically way beyond keyword search. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, those are all really cool uh, approaches to legal research. I'm really inspired by them. I think they're great.
1: Yeah, I've been uh, following them, all of them closely. And I think it really is so refreshing and interesting. Um, It is a great time for startups, and especially in research. So the last question I'll ask you just, you know, to bring the two thoughts together is, am I going to have again, as a new solo trying to figure out what to do, my fast case subscription, and then also, a Ravel and a case text and a Judicata, do they all sort of work together and I kind of have to make a recipe for myself of what's going to give me the best outcome?
2: Well, I think it might be a matter of taste. So uh, it really depends on what you are looking for. If you, uh, if you really want a platform where you can advertise your expertise, uh, you very well might use FastCase and case text. And you know, I think that there will be different uses for each one of those tools. What I really hope comes from this is that people really think about what the right tool for the job is. You don't just thoughtlessly you know, flip your browser open and open this right. nexus. You really think, what is going to be the best tool to use for my client, and what is the tool that's going to get me the most efficient answer? And by the way, um, you know, I think when people do that, um, I hope that Fastcase is something they think of right away. Um, I hope to be every bit as smart and powerful um, of a tool as the most expensive products in the market, but with things like citation analysis and data visualization and integrated mobile apps um, built in. So I've said for years, though, if, um, you know, if this is a competition on the merits, if it's a competition for who has the best tools uh, and the smartest tools, and that's a competition we're gearing up to win.
1: That's great. It's it's really just amazing and impressive what you all have done and how far the field and the industry has come. And I I like you hope that a, every lawyer out there is really taking this a lot more seriously and taking some time to decide what to use and what to invest in, not just running with the crowd or 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 being sort of, you know, swept into mediocrity because that's what they've always used or that's what they're comfortable using. I think this is an opportunity like any other for an entrepreneur as an attorney to do some research and figure out what is the best bang for my buck and how am I going to serve my clients the best. So I'm glad to know that there's a lot of tools out there like Fast Case, and especially Fast Case, you know, it's one of my favorites. Um, I'm not even a lawyer, but because, of course, I'm in Florida, and it's a member benefit, of course, I know it very, um, very intimately and have always been happy to tell attorneys to make sure to, to look around before they just go spending a lot of money for something they might not necessarily need and use all the time. So, It looks like we've reached the end of our show, and I'm always sad to say that because I have such great conversations with everyone that comes on, especially you, Ed. Thank you so much. We do want to take a second and tell everyone who is listening how they can learn more about you and FastCase out there on the internet. How can they stalk you?
2: Stalk us at FastCase.com. You can also find FastCase's apps, uh, which the ABA says are the most popular apps for lawyers um, of any kind for two years in a row. Uh, nice. In the iTunes Store under Fastcase, or in the uh, Android Play Marketplace uh, by searching for Fastcase. Also, in a couple of months, uh, in uh, Windows Phone as well. Oh, cool! And uh, version three of the app just hit stores uh, two days ago. So, oh, cool. uh, you can find Fastcase.com uh, and iTunes, Android, and soon uh, Windows Phone as well.
1: Well, that's great. Thanks so much, Ed. For all you listeners who'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit New Solo at the Legal Talk Network, where you can also follow us on iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. So that brings us to the end of our show. I'm Adriana Linares. Thank you for listening. Join us next time for another episode. And remember, you're not alone. You're New Solo.